0: This is Isaac Palmer. I'm here live in the Lance J radio studio with none other than Lance J himself. Yep, uh, yep. We are taking some calls from callers. And I've got a special guest on the line, a, um, uh, a, a guy I met when I was working in Louisiana. Uh, we'll just call him. See, that's why I play a little Wade Can baby? That's is that, that it? That's, that's what you know you got uh, symbiosis. I was, was going to ask our guest I play a little Wade, the, the, the and you caller. got somebody from Louisiana. You didn't even know that. Why well, didn't say he was from you Louisiana? You didn't even know that. Uh, but Jason and I clicked. Uh, he's the white guy at work that knows who third base is. All right. Does that does that tell you all you need to know about? Shout out! Shout out to MC Search. I've
1: been wanting to. I've been yeah, to get MC yeah, Search. Yeah, yeah, When, I, when on I, this show, he was talk, he was talking out. craziness about writing verses for Rakim, and me and Rampage were <laughs> on the show talking about that one time. And a, Rampage knows Rakim pretty well, and he was like, "There's no way that MC Search was writing verses for for Rakim <laughs> back in New York in the early '90s." So. That's a that's a
0: phenomenal segue, Isaac. But he also has an extensive healthcare uh, background at the executive level. So we're gonna chop it up on hip now, hop. And I want to
1: hear. It. I want to hear it before. So who else, Jason? Who else? Are, who else are you bumping other than third base?
2: Well, I'll tell you. Um, we go way back, uh, Isaac and I. And, um, when we were in Chicago watching the Cubs, uh, we ran into a few guys uh, going over the Cubby Bear and. Uh, he didn't believe I knew Yo MTV Rats. All right. and I told him I grew up on Yo MTV Rap. Even in Who did we Texas run into, a white guy? So, we ran into uh, Ed Lover, so what, and it was Ed Lover. Oh, yeah, Ed Lover, and and Isaac didn't believe me, and I told him I said that was Ed Lover. So we walked over man. to the Cubby Bear and watched him perform. It was fantastic.
1: Oh man, that's 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 fantastic. It's,
0: so uh, he said that was Ed Lover, and I, I looked at Jason in two disbeliefs. One is it wasn't Ed Lover. And how do you know who Ed Lover is? <laughs> that literally, that, the look I gave him. But yeah, we were that's both exactly like right. kids in a candy shop Man, saying that's... we took pictures with Ed. It was great. Hey, your on great. TV raps, before you get into the healthcare, your
1: on TV raps was so instrumental in, in getting the the hip hop nation and movement out to, to people from all backgrounds. So not just people from New York City and the Bronx and, and in Brooklyn and in Queens, but getting yeah. it to mainstream it's America. Amazing. So that's that's really good stuff.
0: I, I, I no watched that show. That. I set my watch to that show. Yep. Yep. Yeah.
2: So Yeah, we all did.
0: Jason, let's st- let's stay on hip hop for just a second. Uh what yep. is the what is the greatest decade for hip hop?
2: I'm is gonna it, have to say the nineties for me. The
1: nineties, man. That's the only only right answer. Yeah. Gotta
2: gold be in, the nineties. As, as a kid growing up in West Texas, not knowing anything about it, I went to college to play football at a small d two school in the Panhandle. Yeah. One of my first roommates yeah. was a guy named Michael Jackson from Pflugerville, Texas, and he introduced me to the Chronic mm. and uh, Dr. Gray <laughs> and I was hooked from that point on.
1: Game over. There there's nothing Game less hip hop than West Texas. So if, if you if you were able to get into the culture yeah, growing yeah. up in West Texas, that just shows the, the reach of, of hip hop. You know, I spent some time living in Asia and hip hop is so dominant in Asia, I couldn't believe that everywhere I went People were playing hip hop, still like having boomboxes and stuff. And every restaurant you went into, they were playing the Chronic. They were playing uh Illmatic. They were playing all of that stuff in the mid two thousands in Asia. It was really, it was really an amazing experience to see how cultures around the world have accepted hip hop and, and enjoyed it. So I'm glad that you had that experience, Jason. I mean, the the, the Chronic is. I really is, did, and I'll
2: tell you, the interesting part of it. I was telling Isaac this: is it's not just the beats, it was the words, right? Mm-hmm. These guys were poets, and. And, and they really connected to a guy like me who grew up uh, uh, not, not well off. We were pretty poor and struggled um, as a family. And, and we really connected to those words as much as we did the beat. Wow.
0: So, Jason, you have run physician offices at, at, a, at a large scale. What is your advice to the patient that, that is coming in uh, a little distrustful, uh, you know, when I open, when I close, not sure what's going on. How can the patient take control of that situation and get what the patient needs?
2: You know, that's a great question. I will tell you the information that's available to us now and to a consumer now is, is the best it's ever been. So one thing I would say is educate yourself about that provider. Go online, figure out the, the provider and where they're located, right, and, and find out what their health grade scores are. Mm. Find out what the reviews are. You should be studying your health care provider just like you study what restaurant you want to go to um, or where you're taking a vacation and the TripAdvisor information because it's out there and it's relevant. I think one of the things that the industry has done uh, pretty well is, is putting themselves out there in terms of scores and health grades and outcomes. So I would offer this for, for all black men, all men in general, to be honest with you, because a lot of us are skeptical, uh, regardless of race, but definitely for the African-Americans to, to educate themselves on who they're going to see.
0: So when you're, you're managing these practices, did you, did you ever have discussions with physicians about their health grades and their customer service ratings and uh, their interactions with patients?
2: Absolutely, it was top of mind. In fact, um, uh, we incentivized physicians. It was part of their compensation plan. Uh, their patient satisfaction scores were part of their compensation plan. Consumerism is driving healthcare decisions now, and physicians who do not provide a good bedside manner, access mm. to patients, c- communicate clearly, are finding themselves outside looking in to the disruptors like urgent cares who are open later and providers who actually connect with their patients from a human level perspective so definitely we educated them as best we could but the fact is some some were good at it and some just chose not to be
1: yeah if i could jump in cms for because i'm a managed care guy jason and cms they move the, the 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 biggest component of their star rating which is a major driver in reimbursement at the federal level into what you're talking about, the actual patient experience. They, they're saying, Hey, we're not going to pay you just to keep a diabetic A1C under nine, but they've got to have great service. They've got to have a fantastic bedside manner. And that's, that's so important Isaac in, in healthcare, especially managed care as we move forward in a post COVID
2: society. Couldn't agree with you more. I think the the qualitative, as much as quantitative results for an individual physician is as important
0: as it's ever been. But the you you still there 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 still is volume in healthcare, and we, we cannot we cannot cover that up. Physicians, hospitals, clinics—we're all incentivized uh, to produce more and more volume. But that doesn't leave the patient with no options. And uh, what I learned in healthcare that, that I didn't know until I got into healthcare—you can fire your doctor, isn't it right? Absolutely. You can you can pick up your stuff and go across the street and find a new doctor whenever you want to. And I, I feel when, well. When I, some plans, some insurance plans, make it difficult for you to do that. Maybe not across that street.
1: Right. Yeah. <laughs> you got If it's in network, but I yeah, hear what yeah. you're saying. You you can if you're having a bad experience, you can find somebody yeah. else Yeah.
0: Take control of your healthcare. Right. Make make your own decisions. And, and what, what I what I feel and sense from African Americans, blacks, when we when I talk to them, is that 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 they are part. They are cog in this will. They're just part. They're they're part, they're the widget. Uh, they're just going down the assembly line and they take what they can get. Uh, and then that's not always the case.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think what we're finding now in the industry is disruptors that like uh, Care now, um, the uh, CBS's of the world, the Walgreens, etc., cetera, are getting into the healthcare space because of yeah. that exact reason. People are looking for more options because they're unsatisfied with their current options. The lack of access is one of the main contributors to other organizations, private equity money, other disruptors moving into healthcare. Mm-hmm. People are tired of having to wait two weeks to get into an appointment uh, for their primary care position. So they're looking for alternatives.
1: What yeah. do you think, you, you brought CVS up and um, I've always been very intrigued. I talked about them on this show a lot with the CVS and Aetna merger. Now Aetna being one of the largest healthcare systems in the country and I'm from the insurance side so so watching Aetna, knowing their their protocols for for risk management and, and, and stars and, and Medicare and Medicaid and what they do on a state by state basis. I think it's interesting because CVS announced early you know, at the end of last year that they're going to close 900 stores. So they're moving away from an old school model where they have these huge stores and huge pharmacy distribution centers. And they're going to start opening kiosks and malls and in in grocery stores and having these small 800 square foot places where you can get a pharmacy courier but you can also get to a dock in the box what do you think about some of the the paradigm shift into smaller spaces like you said that have easier access but don't have these huge um enormous centers where you can get everything done but just somewhere where you can go to a pcp and get a script update relatively quickly
2: yeah, I think that's a good move for them to be honest with you. These health hubs that they're talking about where you have either telehealth options or a nurse practitioner right. and, 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 a, and a nurse available to you because a lot of problems uh, can be solved with that care model. Right. So I think the transition from the old school, you know, uh, you know, bricks and mortar that's very expensive and hard to get into um, are, are going by the wayside and these very consumer-centric, consumer-driven access points that are price transparent as well as accessible are going to be successful. have no doubt about that. In fact, there's a lot of not-for-profit systems like the one um, Isaac and I came from or the ones that I'm helping with now as a consultant are looking to those models because they're seeing the success that the CVSs and the Walgreens are having.
0: Well, great. Jason, thank you. Thank you for calling in. You know, we're just trying to pull the veil back a little bit uh, and, yeah. and help our listeners, our audience understand what, what's, what's in a physician office. Uh, we're trying to get black men to just go see their doctor more uh, and re- re- remove that stigma.
1: Now, now one more question for you. Um, you're, you are a third base fan growing up. You said.
2: I was a third base fan growing up. I heard you say, um, who did you say Rakim? And um uh, Tribe call quest. Tribe Did Love I hear quest
1: that too? too? But do you remember Zev Love X from KMD, who was who was a part of third base?
0: I do not. Now you don't remember? I do not. Right. You got me with that one. So
1: so Zev Love X
2: got was was a
1: part of third base, <laughs> and Zev Love X's brother was Sub Rock, who was their DJ. His brother okay. died. Zev Love X disappeared from the rap community for about ten years. And he re-emerged years later as MF Doom. Get out of here. MF Doom was in third base. Paragon
0: Paragon. 7 Studios. James Lewis, shout out to all them guys, man. Rashid Wallace, you know, you know, Catino Mobley, you know, um, Sean Red Smith, Terrell Stokes, you know, all, all of those guys. A lot of them are um, Philadelphia legends when it comes to the
1: basketball, right? right. No, but I drop real numbers on them. <laughs> so what would that make me? <laughs> Rampage, the first lieutenant of the Universal Flip Squad. Are you jaying people up? Are you crossing people up? All of that. Are you it was all of the above? Yeah, I was I was um similar to Iverson. You are listening to the Lance J Radio Network.
0: It's time to switch to T-Mobile. Right now, pay zero cost when you do. Keep your number and keep your phone. We'll even pay it off. Only at T-Mobile the leader in 5g yo this is your boy lance
1: j aka the paragon of sports talk excellence aka the heisenberg of broadcast radio aka the wolf of wall street listen to me weekdays now at 11 a.m on wol 95.9 fm in the dmv brought to you by our partners at episource the nation's leader in healthcare analytics and strategic support for medicare risk adjustment programs